This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, 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 and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, you please don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A podcast about TikTok brought to you by Rolling Stone. So have you been watching the Hulu series Pam and Tommy? I watched the first two episodes and I wasn't really a fan, to be honest. I kind of like it. So it's kind of ends up being pretty sympathetic towards Pam mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, but of course, it's still like, you know, Pam really didn't want this made. And there's a lot of controversy around the actual existence of the show. Right. But it's also been pretty popular, especially because it stars Lily James and Sebastian Stan, who are just already all over TikTok. Like they're just like two hot young actors. Sebastian Stan, of course, coming from Marvel. He, of course, has a huge fandom. And like Lily James's transformation alone is was already very widely celebrated on on TikTok and just the way that people are talking about it constantly. Mm-hmm. But of course. Because of the show and because of the premise of it being a little bit more sympathetic to Pam and her experience and, you know, just understanding what she was going through when she has a, a sex, a private sex tape leaked and released online against her will, um, Pam herself has become a huge sort of TikTok like star subject, like point of interest, I guess, for a lot of people where she's been discussed in a lot of videos about her. And there's a bit of a revival happening and a reappraisal happening for both millennials and Gen Z, where there's been kind of like this ongoing, I, I feel like you've probably seen a lot of this too, this ongoing conversation around especially sex symbols and young women who were very hypersexualized by the media, especially in like the 90s and early 2000s, about how we talked about them, how the press talked about them, how the public were kind of made to to understand them. But like, I feel like I've seen that a lot on TikTok. I don't know if you have, but also in like, like podcasts and articles and, yeah, you know, in the, in the culture a- generally, it's like a Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, mm-hmm. um, uh, Britney Spears, like it all kind of started with I, Tanya, I feel like with the yeah. sort of the reappraisal of Tanya Harding with the Margot Robbie movie. And then it's just kind of everybody gets a turn now. And now yeah, I feel turn. like, I feel like like free Britney movement definitely heightened a lot of that. I feel like there's been a lot of, you know, Jessica Simpson's memoir and, um, you know, of course, like even like Janet Jackson and the and Nipplegate from the Super Bowl and all of that stuff. But of course, Pam Anderson being a major, major sex symbol. And again, someone who, you know, this was the first time a, a celebrity sex tape had been. Was it the first time a, a, a celebrity sex tape had been? I think basically, yeah, it's definitely the first one that sort of, you know, became a meme in itself. And of course, that's a big part of the show, too, right, is where they're talking about the kind of nascent part of the Internet and about how this tape was spread through 
uh, various websites and was able to just exist and how, you know, they were able to search it online and how it was so easy. And it also kind of was, it wasn't as widely spread as it would be today or as immediately spread as it would be today, of course, but like it was still something that they couldn't really get a grip on immediately Mm -hmm. because it was just so widespread. So of course, like, There's been a a big conversation happening on TikTok and across the internet about what is happening, what happened with Pam and sort of her perspective on this and, like, a lot of the controversy around her relationship with Tommy Lee, who is already a pretty, like, controversial figure well beyond. He's just, like, one of those 80s hair metal rock stars who just kind of largely sucks. (laughs) You know, has just had, like, a lot of bad things that they've done and got away with for many years, um, including in, in this relationship with Pam, so... Hi, this is Pam and Tommy, part one. You guys like rock and roll, right? Because this is some rock and roll shit. And very sad. Very sad. Do you follow Teffy at all? Hello, Teffy? On TikTok? Yeah, so she does all these really great multi-part celebrity and tabloid history deep dives on TikTok, and they're always kind of like 13 videos of her sort of unpacking different interviews and um, articles about various, like tabloid scandals and famous couples and like famous figures. And right before the show came out, she did a huge one on Pam and Tommy's relationship that largely focused on Pam and her experience in the nineties, kind of similar to the show. And so the popular series saw a bit of controversy, however, with Tommy Lee's current partner, Brittany Ferlin, who is a former Vine star and has now carved out her own place on TikTok. But she got mad at Teffy for talking about Tommy Lee and some things that had happened during their relationship because Teffy was kind of going into sort of the ongoing battles between Pam and Tommy, especially as co-parents for for their young kids. And so Brittany Ferlin had gotten really mad. Brittany took to her own TikTok to say that she had been trying to DM Teffy to tell her how upset that series made her and that Teffy hadn't replied. Teffy responded saying that she sincerely apologized for making Brittany feel uncomfortable. But I think say the, the large sentiment on TikTok was that Teffy talking about this had been pretty focused on Pam and her experience and like how she had been so maligned for things that were often out of her control. Um, And also it's based on a lot of things that Tommy Lee had said on the record about their relationship and his memoir very specifically. So like Teffy and the account celebrity memoir book club had sort of dug into a lot of what Tommy had written about Pam in his book. And it includes like a very, very gross claim that's left out of the show that he was secretly drugging Pam with ecstasy during their first weekend together so that she inevitably confused the euphoric feeling she had from the high with falling in love. And that's how they had sort of ended up married immediately. And this is something that Tommy Lee wrote about in his book. Like, it's like in his memoir. They decide to take ecstasy together. However, in the book, he brings Pam in to tell the story because he admits that he doesn't remember all of it. And he talks about how they were taking ecstasy all weekend. She writes... Tommy's friends were breaking capsules of ecstasy into my drinks. I had never done any drugs before, so I didn't know what was happening. I mean, but it's also like, that's such like a thing of like 80s rock stars, right? Is that they think that stuff is like, like, yeah, that was like so cool that I got away with that. Like, yeah, my like, my girl was just like high in ecstasy the whole time. And like, that's like just, I don't know, I feel like that's like a product of the time, right? Like, that's just like the way that those, those guys tended to act and talk all the time. I will say for as pro- for as problematic as he's been in the past, I really like his relationship with Brittany Furlong. Yeah, I mean the content is hilarious. It's very cute. Yeah, it's it's kind of I mean it's very funny to see Tommy Lee do TikToks and to like 
lip sync to things. It's just so out of place. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I sort of get the sense that he's been domesticated a little bit, but obviously yeah. that doesn't excuse like all of the horrible things that he's accused of doing to Pam and to other women throughout yeah. the 80s and, and 90s. Yeah, and so that's kind of, like, what a lot of the stuff was getting at, was that, like, Pam ended up, in the same way with, you know, with Janet and Justin, like, it's the idea of the woman sort of suffering from Mm -hmm. this entire thing, like, where Tommy got a lot of clout for having, like, such a huge dick and, like, being in, like, fucking Pam Anderson. And Pam was trying to, like, have a bigger career beyond Baywatch and Playboy and, like, couldn't really move past any of it. Um and so that's sort of what a lot of the fascination is. And also Pam herself is like a style icon is becoming like really big on TikTok. I see all these like makeup tutorials. And I think that's also very inspired by the transformation that Lily James goes under for the show. But there's all these like, you know, makeup and hair tutorials going on. People like recreating a lot of her famous looks from the 90s and just like trying to like, you know, there's like a revival of of Pam and sort of becoming yeah. this like kind of being able to like embrace this like really like sexy kind of like 90s quote unquote bimbo type of look happening that Pam just kind of like mastered and did yeah. so well. I think a lot of that is just a, is is her sort of benefiting from the the general revival of the bimbo on yeah. TikTok. Like this is something that I wrote about and I think like the summer of 2020 how yeah. the bimbo is sort of like being reappropriated as like in like ironically and weirdly an anti-capitalist uh, Gen Z icon. Like yeah. <laughs> there, there's this woman named Chrissy Chlapeka who's a really great TikTok creator who's sort of like leading the charge on bimbo talk and being like, hey, you know, you can have big tits and blonde hair and not super book smart and you can still be a valuable person who's worthwhile and who can call out men for their shit. And yeah. I think I'm really happy to see Pam sort of getting an, an, a reappraisal based, like, riding that wave, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I will say I really don't know how much her career could have progressed beyond Baywatch and beyond mm-hmm. Playboy, even without that um, that sex tape. Like, I, I have no doubt that it was incredibly traumatizing for her yeah. and, like, really, really, really hurt her brand, but I mean, have you seen barbed wire? (laughs) (laughs) I know that's the, that's the funny part about the show is like, this is supposed to be like a big film for her. And like, that's like such a crux of the film is like, of the, of the series is that like this film she's promoting, she's finally getting interviews and like women's magazines. And she's like, finally, um, you know, has like a big movie star publicist and the like sex tape, is leaked just as she's doing press for this film that she's so excited about and is so excited to do something outside of Baywatch and, like, try to, like, move her career. But that film itself is um, not very good. Yeah, honestly, I'm sorry, Pam. Like, I don't know how much barbed wire would have taken off, like, without... Without the sex tape. Yeah. I, I watched that movie a couple times in college for some reason. I was like vaguely, like vaguely obsessed with that movie. And I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, Pam. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I do appreciate that all of these maligned women in general are getting a second look. And there's this very introspective, like, examination of the way that we treated them. I don't yeah. know if we're necessarily learning anything from that examination. Like, I see the way people talk about, you know, the Kardashians and even Julia Fox recently, like with the latest press cycle around her. And it seems 
very similar, like maybe not like as overtly objectifying as it was with Pam Anderson, but still, I mean, there, there is, there are women in this culture, mostly in the influencer realm who we just don't take seriously. Yeah. And like, we're very clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with this, like, it's like to something that you had said earlier about how sort of the bimbo has been defined through internet speak and culture right now, where it's like, the idea of being sexy, but also being, like, able to like, speak your mind and be, like, anti-capitalist. Like, I feel like that's sort of... People are kind of digging into the fact that Pam was and is a very fascinating public figure. Like, she's had a very... She has, like, a very fascinating view on the world and also just, like, in, like, sort of the people that she spends time with and also, like, in her interviews, too. So a lot of the... A lot of the videos that are being shared are, like, old interview clips with her and, like, how, you know, she kind of, like, talks back a lot and, like, kind of fights to, like at least, you know, not talk about the things that she's uncomfortable talking about or kind of, like, stand her ground in different interviews. Um, And also just, like, her, like, more, like, political stuff over the last decade, like, her friendship with Julian Assange. Well, I think, I don't know what it is. Like, they have some weird sort of relationship, her and Julian Assange, um, over the last decade where she was, like, writing open letters about him and everything. And people, it's just very fascinating sort of turn. And, of course, there's also this, like, Piers Morgan interview clip from like a few years back where she talks about a very confusing relationship she has with Vladimir Putin um, that started with them with her basically saving the seals and ended in a lot of detail hedging about whether or not they've spent um, more like time together in real life where she just kind of wouldn't really answer the question. (laughs) In President Vladimir Putin. Tell me about that. (laughs) Well, I wrote to him and asked him to stop um, the importation of seal products because this was 95% of the market and that could potentially shut down the Canadian seal hunt, which is one of my big goals. So he did. He made it actually illegal to import seal products even into the country. Did you ever talk directly to him? <laughs> oh, no, another one. It's another one. <laughs> yeah, she definitely fucked Putin, I feel like, is the subtext here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like... Or, like, weird... It's, like, the Julian Assange and Vladimir Putin stuff. I'm just like, what is happening? Did you also know she was briefly married? The marriage was annulled in 2020, but she was briefly married to Barbara Streisand's ex-husband? No. Was that her bodyguard? No. It wasn't her bodyguard. It was um, this producer guy named John Peters and, like, former hairstylist who kind of just, like, climbed the ranks in Hollywood. Yes. Okay, so she was also, like... Not married, but maybe she was just, like, engaged to, like, her bodyguard, too, for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, she's been married, like, six times. Oh, she got married twice in 2020. Getting married twice during a pandemic year is iconic. So she got married to John Peters first. And then she married, I think, who I'm thinking of now, Dan Hayhurst. Um, and they just got divorced. Her body, so, yep. She so Dan Hayhurst is her bodyguard, so she ended up marrying him in December 2020. But her and Peters, they were married in and all before the pandemic. That was January 20th to February 1st. So right before the pandemic, she was married to this guy, Barbara Streisand's ex ex husband. Yeah. And, and then the pandemic breaks out, and she's like, which she had ended that relationship right before the pandemic broke up, and then the pandemic breaks out, and and then she December marries 2020. Yeah, and then. In January of this year, she announced that they had split. 
Wow. That's that's truly iconic. I, what was yeah. I doing in December 2020? And I was probably crying. Yeah. <laughs> I, was probably cry- <laughs> I was probably crying in the shower, making another sourdough, feeling sorry she's for married, myself. She's married to Rick Solomon twice. Um, she was married to Kid Rock. Kid Rock, yeah. It was Tommy Lee, then Kid Rock for a year. Which, I don't know. These are just not... Uh, this is not a good collection of men. I gotta say, it's gotta be one of the worst handfuls of men to marry. Yeah, but, I mean, now that she's single, she can move on to Putin and she can save us from world destruction. She can end everything for us, maybe. Please do it, Pam. We are yeah. counting on you. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. I mean, this week has been absolute hell because of what's been going on in Ukraine. Like, all of the news coming out has been horrific. But aside from Pam Anderson possibly being able to save the world by having sex with Putin, there is one bright spot in all of this. And it is straight people, particularly on the left, making themselves absolute clowns over the president of Ukraine. Disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting shit happening. Dead people. So the president of Ukraine is is named Vol- Volodymyr Zelensky. Mm-hmm. I I know I'm mispronouncing his name. Like I I don't. You don't have to tell me. Like don't message yeah. me and tell me I am because I I know I am. It's my thing now. Like I'm leaning into it. Like I can't pronounce. <laughs> anything i could have looked it up on google i could have but i didn't um because i'm tired i'm a fucking parent leave me alone but he's the president of ukraine for background he's an actor who starred in a ukrainian sitcom um called servant of the people he played the president which in turn prompted him to run for office under a party named after the show so the party's called servants of the people and he won so it gets it's kind of like a julie louis dreyfus ran for office. That was the comparison like a lot of people were making or I guess like Jed Bartlett from West Wing, but like less cringe um, and funnier. Um, He's also Jewish, which is relevant for a few reasons, um, among them being that part of the reason that Putin is saying he invaded Ukraine was because of the neo-Nazis running rampant, you know, in the administration there. And obviously he's Jewish, but mostly it's, relevant because he played Hava Nagila with his penis on an X-Factor type Ukrainian talent show at one point in his career. So he can do it all. And 
prior to the invasion, he was primarily known for being the guy on the receiving end of Trump's quote unquote perfect phone call. Do you remember that? Um, I blocked out a lot of Trump stuff. <laughs> the, 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 Probably where, real. Where he has, has attempted to essentially extort him, leading the to only, his impeachment. The only Trump thing that I have maintained is not even from his presidency, but it's the Barney Frank nipples tweet. That's the only thing. I yeah, so. I I think about that tweet all the time, all the For time. For just like I don't know, <laughs> my, my brain didn't doesn't need to be any further clouded. The other thing that I think about all the time is um, uh, no puppet. In the when he said uh, no puppet, I'm not a puppet. No puppet, you're the puppet to Hillary Clinton during the debates. We we say no, we say no puppet a lot. Yeah, I I remember the Barney Frake protruding nipples tweet and then all the tweets he made about um about Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart's relationship. Yeah. Every everything from 2016 to 2020 is just blocked off in yeah. our heads. As well it should be. Yeah. But that that's what Zelensky was primarily known for um before the invasion. But in the past few weeks he has achieved worldwide fame for his astounding courage and integrity in the face of military aggression from Putin. He's basically got a warrant on his head. Like, it was reported yesterday that there was an assassination plot that was foiled against him by the Ukrainian government, and the sourcing on that is kind of iffy. But, I mean, he is one of Putin's number one targets. But regardless, he has posted videos of himself on social media, having coffee with Ukrainian troops, and defiantly walking the streets of Kiev to disprove rumors that he abandoned his men. And he famously in response to the U.S. government asking if he needed to be lifted out of Ukraine, said something along the lines of, I need more weapons, not a ride, which is so fucking badass. Yeah, that's a good quote. Such a good quote. Everyone loves him, rightfully so. He is an incredible example of somebody who maybe wouldn't be expected to be a serious person or a serious leader um, because he was a celebrity who was given a challenge and truly rose to the occasion, which is all the more impressive when you consider the behavior of our last celebrity turned president, which we don't because we blocked it all out over yeah. the, as we just discussed. But some people are expressing their admiration for Zelensky in a rather bizarre way, specifically yeah. hornily. It's not the time or place to have a crush on President Zelensky. But people are being really horny, horny, too horny for this man. This guy right here, the president of Ukraine, has ruined dating for me forever. Because how on earth can anybody compare to such an amazing leader? Like, how do I put that on a Tinder profile? I don't even know if I'd ever be worthy of that. But like, they're making slideshows of hot pics of him with Mariah Mm -hmm. Carey's hero (laughs) in the background. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is a man like he's basically he's he's got a death sentence hanging over his head like he's he's currently instituting martial law in his country like average ukrainian men are picking up guns picking up arms against russian troops and yeah. he people are just people just want to fuck him yeah uh, it's just <laughs> so it's so cringe it's so cringe. I mean, it's definitely part of this is that it's inappropriate. Like, it, it, it is inappropriate to yeah. sexualize this guy right now. But more than that, it's super cringe. 
Yeah. It has very Beto tweet energy. Do you remember the, the Beto tweet? Of course I remember the Beto tweet. I think about it once a week and I get so mad. So explain the, <laughs> explain the Beto tweet. For, for oh my listeners. gosh. I need to pull, oh, okay. I need to pull up the full quote. I, I need to read it. Hold on. It is just like, it's so like resistance Twitter, just stupid. Like, it's just like people being unnecessarily horny and like writing fanfic about politicians where it's just like, grow up. Okay. <clears throat> the full tweet. Ojeda and Avenatti are as candidates are like the guy who thinks good sex is pumping away while you're making a grocery list in your head, wondering when he'll be done. O'Rourke is like the guy who is all sweet and nerdy, but holds you down and makes you come until your calves cramp. Like what? <laughs> what? Imagine, imagine being like, I am in the right mind where that is an okay tweet to put out to my followers. She thought she was making points too. Like she thought she was making a serious point. Like a political point. Yeah, the point is you are down bad. The point is you need to buy a vibrator. You need to buy a womanizer. Please. I hope that womanizer sent her a vibrator Just open after that. Pornhub and grow up. Like I don't know. <laughs> Nasty. Just why? <laughs> Ugh, God, that tweet pisses me off so much. I needed to read the full thing. I don't have a problem. Like I, I think like. I don't know. I I obviously am not a person who has a problem with like vulgarity or like horny talk in general, but like there's a line. Like don't tell on yourself quite so much. Yeah. And also don't do it to political figures. More importantly. Ugh, definitely not political figures. Because like this is a trend, right? Like there there are all these over the past like five years, like basically since the Trump administration, all these sexy resistance heroes that liberals have idolized, like Robert yeah. Mueller or Andrew Cuomo. Neither of those ended particularly well for us. Avenatti. Yeah. Like, there seems to be this tendency that liberals have to look at halfway decent looking men and fantasize about them, like, holding us in their big strong arms and saving us from the evils of the world and making us come until our calves cramp. And, like, save it for therapy, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Honestly. I, I do hate it. But, I mean, so my problem with this is that I do think Zelensky's hot. Yeah. <laughs> EJ, no! He's hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's 5'7". Everyone loves a short Jewish king. I just, like, I, I would like him to, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard for me to sexualize politicians. Hunter Biden. I would definitely, I would post up at the Chateau Marmont with Hunter Biden. Not He's a politician. But he's really hot. I'd smoke crack day and night with Hunter Biden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a, he's like troubling, but it's like it's in a hot way. Yeah. If you're on TikTok, you've probably seen the 32 Bar Chef. She is a woman named Alyssa Hickey who does musical theater parodies combined with cooking hacks and tutorials on TikTok. Have you ever made hummus? No, I know a great way. We'll make a roasted beet one, but you'll need some hairspray. We'll grab a beet and roast it, then let it cool down. We'll peel it and mash it like a nice. I first became aware of the 32 Bar Chef with this mac and cheese broccoli cheddar hack, which is inspired by the musical Newsies. Um, there's a part where she does a little dance break with a Newsie hat to seize the day, but it's only like a couple lines, presumably for legal reasons. I know you like Trader Joe's and Buck mac and cheese. Here's breaking news for a hack that is sure to please. Pasta goes in a pot that's giant up with water. Here's where we're defying her the cheese mix in your mac 
it's extremely earnest. Um, and it went viral largely for being cringe. Like people were calling her millennial um, and wielding it like some sort of horrible insult. Um, and it definitely does have major theater kid energy. Uh, it definitely does. And it also has yeah. millennial energy. But it also, I don't know, I think it's cute. It kind of reminds me of what I would do if I cooked, which I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, this bitch does not cook. Uh, but if I did, I would make up little songs and dance around. And it seems like she's having fun. And good for her. So mm. we decided to have Alyssa on to talk about going viral and being TikTok's resident millennial theater kid. My name is Alyssa Hickey, and I started the 32 Bar Chef about a year ago. It'll be a year at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of got started doing it because I had been auditioning before the pandemic for theater-related things and was getting in a really good groove. And unfortunately, COVID happened and everything kind of shut down, and I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was always prepping things to do for others, and I was challenged by some people to kind of start creating my own content and working on things that made me happy. And during the pandemic, I realized that cooking really, really made me so happy, and I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to incorporate cooking and musical theater together, and this was then born. Um, and so I started making the videos with the trending TikTok feta pasta. Um, I made up my own little song to that. And then it kind of evolved. Um, originally, the feta pasta video was just me making up a song about it. And it evolved into incorporating musical theater as I tried out new recipes and thought, you know, oh, this might be fun to put a dance break in the middle just to, you know, for shits and giggles, for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it was started. And um, I have to thank um, one of my mentors, Ryan Scott Oliver. He kind of helped guide me through the creation of uh, 32 Bar Chef. And um, and yeah, I just started making the videos and posting them for fun. And to also show people that you can have a good time in the kitchen while you're cooking. It doesn't have to be this crazy thing like on Chopped where you have to get the onions exactly precisely diced the right way in 30 seconds flat so that way you know you can be dancing around your kitchen and just like doing silly pirouettes and falling out of them and not actually <laughs> you know having um you know actually having a good time while you're cooking yeah what is your songwriting recipe development process like uh so is it concurrent? Yeah, so I um, I do them on a weekly basis. It usually takes me about a week to do each episode. Um, I try to find a recipe either that's been trending on TikTok or on Instagram or something that's kind of going along with the um, upcoming holidays or events. So the last one that I did was for deviled eggs for the upcoming big game. Uh, the one that I'm going to be posting this week is going to be Valentine's Day themed. Um, and then from there, I kind of start to think, okay, so what musicals could I incorporate with this recipe? Or is there a lyric from a song in a show that rhymes with some of the ingredients that I'm working with? So that's how the Newsies mac and cheese one came to be. I found this macaroni and cheese recipe on TikTok. There's a creator, Nikki, Nikki Gillespie, I think is how you pronounce her name. And I had seen her do this mac and cheese hack um, where she had put the water in with the pasta and cooked the pasta in the water and added the cheese and the butter. And then I thought I'd take it a step further by adding Trader Joe's broccoli cheddar soup. And so 
I'm thinking in my brain, you know, what kind of goes with cheese and macaroni? Are there words that rhyme? And then it came to me one day that seize rhymes with cheese. And I was like, oh, newsies, seize the day, cheese the day. That works perfectly. Um, So yeah, I kind of go through that. And I listen to the albums of all the different musicals that I've been um, incorporating into the recipes, figure out if there's um, specific moments in each one where I can take the... um, accompaniment and incorporate it in some way, shape, or form. And then I go through and I put it into a uh, music program that I've got. Um, and then it just kind of goes from there. I work on the lyrics first, then I do the music, and then I kind of combine it all together. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually use the melodies from the uh, scores, right? Like, how, Or is that for legal reasons? Uh, partially, yeah. I do take bits and pieces from the scores, um, to help inspire me to create my own stuff. So some of the rhythms are very similar. Um, it uh, Some of the notes, obviously, are very similar as well. Um, but another part of why it's the 32-bar chef is that when you go for an audition, for a musical theater audition, they usually ask you to sing 16 or 32 bars, which is about a minute, which is why the videos are a minute long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to get these recipes down into one-minute little segments, A, because 32-bar chef, and B, because at the time I started making them TikTok, you could only do a minute long video. Um, But I do incorporate some of the um, musical elements from the different shows, um, some of the accompaniments. And when I do the dance break, I am able to find sheet music online and I'm able to use that sheet music to then uh, do my little 16 bar dance break or whatever it is. And it's short enough, I believe, that it shouldn't um, be... Um, an issue for legal reasons. Um, And I do credit every single one when I do them. I make sure that I'm saying what musical this is from, you know, who wrote it and everything like that. So, um, so yeah. 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 Um, You mentioned the Newsies mac and cheese. How did you learn that that was going viral? Um, I was literally at home making myself some lunch and I saw that my phone started blowing up. Somebody commented on your video. Somebody commented on your video. Someone commented on your video. So I was like, oh, that's a little bizarre. Like, you know, whatever. So I opened the app and at that point, um, my videos had been getting maybe a hundred, 200 views. And when I opened it up, this one was at 3000 and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You know, I'm getting 3000 views. This is kind of crazy. <laughs> and, um, from there it just kept going up and up and up. And I actually found out, uh, that, I I don't know if this is why it went viral, but um, pretty early on to when I had made the video, somebody stitched the video and duetted it uh, with a reaction. And to be completely honest, um, it was kind of heartbreaking. Um, This person who had made this reaction video kind of said something along the lines of, I was forced to see this on my For You page, so I'm forcing you to see it too. And she had a very, I don't know, smug look on her face. And a lot of the comments in there were just really awful things. Um, and I think at first it's, you know, that hate on somebody who's getting popular kind of thing. Um, but it made me kind of sad because there were a lot of people that were commenting in there saying that there were, they were, you know, they wanted to kill themselves, that they wanted to, uh, this was their 13th reason. Um, and like, to me personally, I don't think that's a joke. Um, I take those kinds of things very, very seriously. I unfortunately have met people who, um, have suicide uh, be one of the things that they've thought about. 
I've met people who have family members that have committed suicide, and it's just not something I think is funny at all. Um, So that's actually, I think, the video that went like super, super viral. Hers has uh, 1.5 million views last I checked, but it's been a while. Mm -hmm. And so I think from there, people started coming to my page, and the views just kept going up. But within the past week or week and a half, a lot of people have been really supportive and really showing, you know, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. This is so camp. We love this. You know, keep doing more, giving me suggestions on different musicals they want to see. And um, I honestly, I cannot express how appreciative and grateful I am for those who've shown me support and who have shown me love and kindness um, because that's what we need to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone is going through something, whether it's you know, as small as just waking up on the wrong side of the bed or as big as losing somebody in their life. Um, We're all going through different things on a daily basis, and we need to be there for each other to support one another. And that's part of why I want to do what I want to do. I want to bring a smile to somebody's day. I want to make people just stop for a second and be like, this girl's having fun. Let me have a fun time with her. Um, Let me just, if I can bring a smile to someone's day, it's made mine. Did you anticipate people calling it cringe? That's the primary criticism that I've seen of it. Yeah, I didn't really anticipate the cringe stuff, but I totally understand it. It's typical musical theater kid millennial stuff. And um, yeah, I wasn't so expecting the cringe moments, but I totally, totally get it now. Um, but in honesty, I started doing it because I just wanted to have fun in the kitchen and show you that you can have fun in the kitchen too. Yeah. I mean, now that there's been some time past, have any of the comments made you laugh? Or are you still kind of like, I'm just kind of taking in the the people who have found me because they they want to to hear the the musical theater songs or yeah. Um I, some of the comments that have made me laugh, um, people are very annoyed that I uh, seemed to spell baloney wrong. Um, and, um, if I'm not mistaken, there's two ways to spell baloney. One meaning like the silly, you know, I hope this isn't silly and stupid and whatever. And that's what I intended, which is B-A-L-O-N-E-Y. And people are like, Oscar Mayer literally wrote a song on how to spell baloney and you did it wrong. (laughs) So that one's been making me laugh a lot. Um, But to be completely honest, it's hard for me to keep up with all the comments because they just keep coming in and people are finding my older videos. And so they're commenting on those. And so it's just a mix of all different things. But I think um, the coolest one is I've got um, Matthew Merrill from Matthew in the Kitchen had commented literally, I think, two days after I posted the video saying, yes, something, you know, this is lit, or I I don't fully remember exactly what he said, but he had commented, and I, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, this person who doesn't know who I am, who has thousands and thousands, millions of followers on his page is commenting on my content? What is this? Um, But yeah, I've been getting a kick out of seeing a lot of the different comments, and the baloney one for sure is what's made me laugh the most. (laughs) You mentioned that um, people were calling it, like, millennial, like, mm-hmm. um, in a derogatory fashion. Why do you think it comes off that way? And are you are you actually a millennial? Yeah, I am a millennial. I'm mm-hmm. uh, going to be 28, actually, in a few weeks. Um, I, I'm not really 100% sure. Um, I think people, um, I, I don't know. I feel like TikTok is very much a Gen Z app. 
and that they start to kind of hate on millennials for kind of joining on there. And I guess it's kind of the same thing that millennials have with some older things. Um, like, you know, we were on Facebook at first, but then it became a very big thing for older people. And we're, you know, not so much into Facebook anymore. Um, and Gen, Gen Z doesn't really even have Facebook. Um, but I, you know, I, so I think it's kind of a mix. I think that there are some millennials who are on TikTok who are seeing this and they're like, oh my gosh, this is what people are thinking about us. And you're making them think that even more. Um, but then I think that there's other people on there that are like, no, this is so much fun. Like you do you be a millennial, be, uh, be who you are, you know? So have you, would you say you've leaned into being a millennial after having gone viral? Um, I definitely think so. I, for me, I mean, I have no idea, but, um, for me, I think when I first saw a lot of those really negative comments, it was coming from more of the Gen Z generation and people who were in the millennial generation tended to be a little on the nicer side. So I think I, yeah, I'm leaning towards the millennials because I, I I like the nicer people a little bit better. Especially since the, the virality of the, the Newsies video, especially was so sudden. What has this experience taught you about TikTok or social media in general? Um, It's definitely taught me that I need to, you know, really be on top of things and um, taking the time to make sure that I'm proofreading and um, making sure that I'm interacting with people. Um, And um, it's also just, uh, like I said, shown me a support. uh, It's shown me an example of how Support is so important in um, a field like this. Um, you need to make sure that you have people that have your back and that can continue to um, support you even when things are at their lowest, even when things are at their highest. Yeah. So it's definitely given me a lesson in, you know, who do you trust? Who do you support? And um, how do you, you know, maintain that? And how to uh, how do you... Um, continue that interaction with everybody and, you know, make sure that everyone feels like they're welcome and excited for the next thing. So has this dissuaded you from making more uh, musical theater cooking parodies or are you going to continue doing that? Oh, no, I'm absolutely going to continue doing it. It's been so much fun for me. Um, So to be completely honest, um, I've been working uh, at Trader Joe's for the past five and a half years. And so I was there when the COVID pandemic started, Mm -hmm. when everything started flying off the shelves. And it was just so incredibly stressful and so incredibly crazy to be a part of. And last year when I started doing 32 Bar Chef, it was almost like a version of therapy for me. Um, It was a, a way for me to be able to cook and incorporate musical theater in this crazy life that I was going through where I'd have to go work an eight hour shift and not know if I was coming into contact with somebody who had COVID and, um, you know, it just was a a release for me. And now that I get, uh, now that people are actually following along and seeing that with me, it's making me so much happier. And again, I just, I love making these videos. And if I can bring a smile to somebody's day, that makes mine. It's time for Himbo of the Week. So there's something about this video that features our Himbo of the Week that absolutely charms the hell out of me. In one of my favorite TikToks in recent weeks, this young American woman named Carissa details her experiences living in Thailand. 
So as soon as she met her professor there, he declaratively told her that he's her dad now. (laughs) But it's not like in a creepy way. It's more in a practical way because her parents were halfway across the world from her now and she didn't speak Thai. So he was just being like realistic, which is that you will have to depend on me as your dad in Thailand. And he even told this to her parents when they visited. She shared a photo of both her dads in one picture, which is very sweet. When I moved to Thailand, the first time I met my professor, he said, I'm your dad now. I said, what do you mean? And he's like, I know you have parents in America, but they're 9,000 miles away in Thailand. I'm your dad. And I said, okay. And when my parents visited, he told them, he's like, in Thailand, Carissa is my daughter, not yours. You can have her when she goes back to America. And they were like, fine with us. So beyond, of course, just this Professor, the Thai dad, being our himbo of the week because he seems so lovely and wonderful. I love the way that Carissa tells the story with this, like, very particular type of sweet intensity, detailing how he was kind of strict but always caved once she reasoned with him. Like, he didn't want her to learn Thai because the other students needed to learn English, but she wanted to make friends, so he supported her. And then she later wanted a moped to get around, and he originally forbade it, but then he ended up taking her to a moped shop and getting her a moped. (laughs) Um, and it's just like all very sweet. So here's to Thai dad, a very sweet man who took, like who has supplied ample material for a super sweet TikTok years later. And here's to Carissa for having one of the funniest storytelling deliveries I've heard in a while. Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop, brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network. Written and hosted by me, EJ Dixon, and Brittany Spanos. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Shelsey, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul. Edited by Dan Stein, and original music composed by Daniel Mertzleft.